0: Balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
1: So another thing that I find irrationally annoying, Rocío, is that soccer uniforms are called kits.
2: Why? Why is it's that? Just the, it's just a European thing. They call the, you know what they call their uh, cleats, don't you? Uh, this, no. They call them boots. Boots. Yeah, you got boots. boots. That's why it's the golden boot in the World Cup. Oh. It's not the golden I guess I should have known the that. It's the golden boot. So you have your kit, and then you have your boot. But here's the thing. This right here, this is just a jersey. See, the jersey is the top of the kit.
1: So it, you have to now. Do you have to have the the shorts and the boots to complete the and kit? And the socks. You That's need the, the special kit. socks. That's the kit. That's the kit. So so kit. The kit's the full shooting match. I see. I actually really like soccer. I love betting on soccer. One of my favorite things to do is like on a Saturday night. I'll do a, uh, I call it goal alert parties. So, and by a party, I mean, it's me and my wife and my dog, and we just get drunk at home. But on Apple TV, they've got goal alerts that pop up. Like, basically, I have the package to watch all of the MLS games, but then there's also the whip around coverage where it's like, oh, we got a goal in Kansas City, and it says goal alert, and it pops up on the screen. This is a very fun thing to do. Take one goal to be scored in every soccer game. Like if there's like 14 of them, take one. It's, the value's not great. A lot of times it'll be like plus 100. You might get to even money. Is about as good as you're going to get. Maybe a little bit higher. Take one goal. Not one goal from each team, but just one goal from each game. And then just sit around and wait for goal alert to pop up on the bottom of the screen. And then when goal alert pops up, you just yell, goal alert! And then do a shot. It's fun. A lot of the fun things I do revolve around alcohol consumption. That's how I have fun: betting and boozing. These are the things I enjoy doing. But I like that. Hold up that. Uh, hold up uh, one eighth of that kit over there for me. <laughs>
2: there I like go. that. No, it's a it's a good looking kit actually. And the coolest thing about it is not just uh, to do it for them. You see the kind of all the like the squiggly lines and stuff like that. Yeah, it's hundred percent unique on every jersey and oh, so wow. it's, it's supposed to be. It's not. It's supposed to be like the confluence of the rivers, but it kind of looks like a fingerprint. I think and that's so a little deep. But it okay. is a little deep. But you know how they have to do it. They have to explain every yeah. part of like why there's a red stripe. What is it? What does it mean? Yeah. And it's so every jersey is kind of unique. And I personally really like that aspect because I'm not a big jersey buyer yeah. and, and thing like that because it's all the same thing and it's just cookie cutter. But the fact that you buy one of these right now and it's going to be completely different than everybody else. That's actually just a good idea.
1: You're selling it well. I'm not going to buy it because soccer it. jerseys don't fit my fat ass you know very what? well.
2: I got this one, and they asked, what size you need. I need I got a 2XL. I need right. I need 2XL because there's some shirts where I'm not an XL, in soccer jerseys I am never an XL. You
1: know what was a bad turn is when the NFL went from the old-school Reebok baggy jerseys yep, to about- these stupid form-fitting. Like, why do I need a form-fitting jersey? I'm not playing. I understand why if you're the running back for the Rams, you need to have a form-fitting tight jersey. Or your Exactly, you, don't dude. Want, you don't want to pulling That's on it. That's what I'm saying. I'm a fat dude that gets wings and beer stains on my jersey, and I need a little room to grow over the course of a nine-hour football day. I mi- <laughs> I miss... The old school Reebok. I would even go farther back. Like, I think Wilson used to make some of these jerseys in the 90s and they were great. But I used to have just a whole, like, I used to be a jersey kind of dork back when I was in high school. So I had, like, a Dante Hall jersey. He's one of my favorite players ever. The the human joystick, the X Factor, don't kick the ball to Dante Hall, number 82, baby. Had the white uh, Dante Hall jersey. I had multiple Priest Holmes jerseys. I loved Priest Holmes. Like, guys like that. I might have even had an Eddie Kinnison jersey jersey. I know I I had Tony Gonzalez. I had multiple Tony Gonzalez jerseys. But man, that was back before Taylor Swift's boyfriend played football. So a lot of you Chiefs fans not know who any of these people are. Uh, But they played football in an era that we call uh, BS, and that's before Swift. So go and look them up. They were pretty good at football. You might enjoy that era. But I was a big Jersey guy for a little bit of my life. And I'm also... A huge, huge, huge proponent of the Cardinals' 80s powder blue jerseys. That is one of my favorite jerseys of all time. And I've got the Aussie jersey in that. I have a Vince Coleman jersey in that. I've got all of them. I mean, I love that. I love the old batting practice jerseys, those kind of thick mesh ones with the big embroidered STL on the breast, and you got Willie McGee on the back and O. Smith on the back. I love those jerseys. But it's funny, Brooke brought this up on the way uh, out. I was, I was walking in, she was walking out, and she said, what are you talking about today? I said, honest to God, I don't even know. I don't know. It'll just come to me when I start doing it. It's one of those things. She goes, I have an idea for you. I said, what's that? She says, you should talk about fanatics. I said, well, yeah, fanatics sucks. Fanatics is terrible. I mean, not just from the standpoint of the players who are bitching about the ugly jerseys, but I am someone who has shopped at Fanatics for a long time, and Fanatics used to be a very high-quality website. It used to be a place where you could go and you could expect to get good quality gear. Let me tell you what you get now. Like, a couple washes, you know what starts happening on a lot of championship t-shirts, a lot of unique t-shirts? That stuff starts wearing off real quick. Why? Because they've gone cheap, and the quality control is crap at Fanatics. It's terrible, man. And look, this may not apply to a lot of you, but uh, but wrestling t-shirts. Are you a wrestling guy at all, Rocchio? Not anymore, no. Okay. Me neither, really, but my wife is some weirdo. She and my mom are really, this yesterday. It, it, like, really into wrestling. Strange. They really love it. My grandma, when I was growing up, used to drive to St. Louis from Poplar Bluff to go watch wrestling. I don't know
2: a lot about wrestling, but I do know the fact that, like, Show merchandise, just like a concert, is a huge part of the fandom around WWE. Correct. So, like, I,
1: like my wife will want me to go to shows with her, so I'll find shirts that I like of wrestlers. More so wrestlers that I liked back when I was a kid. Or ample-bosomed lady wrestlers that wrestle now. You know, like, hey, here's my Carmelo shirt. You know, like that type of deal, right? Or there's my Alexa Bliss, she's got a nice ass t-shirt. And I'll wear these to the wrestling matches that my wife wants to go to. And WWE used to have great outstanding quality merchandise the logos looked great on the shirts and the the print was great and it never wore off and the, the shirts had a good thick quality not too thick where they were uncomfortable and boxy but good quality you felt like you were wearing a shirt Then they got in bed with Fanatics, and they decided to let Fanatics handle all of it. So if you want your, you know, Rowdy Roddy Piper t-shirts or your Hulk Hogan t-shirts or your Braun Strowman, may he rest in peace t-shirts, big ups, any of these people, you would now have to go to Fanatics. And the quality of these shirts sucks. Sucks. And it didn't used to be that way. Fanatics was awesome. And now Fanatics sucks. And now it takes forever to get your merch from Fanatics. And their Fanatics-branded stuff sucks. The quality blows. And now they have kind of a monopoly over it. That's the other problem you run into is Fanatics has a monopoly over all of the good merch. And it bothers me. Remember when Majestic used to make good stuff? You were a kid during Maguire, right? Like, do you remember Maguire? Oh, God, yeah. So, like, because I was, I guess, I would have been 13, 14 years old, like, in the prime of Maguire when the trade happened. I was 11. That next season, I was 12. Most fun I've ever had being a sports fan of any team ever was watching Maguire v. Sosa. It was the greatest, okay? I had the Maguire batting practice, the red batting practice jersey embroidered had the Cardinals on the front, Maguire on the back. That bad boy, if I still had that some bitch, that thing would still be intact. I got a buddy of mine who still has that same jersey and it's still in wonderful shape. And you know what was great about that? It wasn't some ironed-on crap like we see now. Like you go over to Fanatics and you're like, "Oh wow, there's an Aussie Smith blue jersey for ninety-nine dollars." I guess I'll buy it. Then you get home and you know what it is? It's a crappy patch that's sewn onto the front of it. It's junk. It's garbage. And you wash it a couple times, and you know what happens to it? It starts fading and wearing off. I don't like it. These are the things that bother me. But there are good things that are happening in the world, not just Fanatics-related content here. Good news is, yesterday, a trailer dropped for the new EA Sports College football video game to do. Are you excited? I
2: I don't know. I can't... Ryder, if I... Well, I get in trouble right now if I tell you I'm going to take off days just to play a video game. I won't get in trouble for that. Cool. I have PTO days. I can do that. I might have to... I'm going to consider taking off a day or two because... The amount of time that I used to spend playing that game God, was, was unconscionable, the and the, the the way that I'm gonna make Utah State it. just like an absolute that was the most slobber knocker of a team. So, so
1: hopefully the option is there for you to like be the coach of a <laughs> yes. team. Oh yes, like for whatever reason Dynasty I want it to be, be as realistic as possible, right? Like in terms of like the behind the scenes stuff. Like with my pornography, oh, I need no. a story. Like I, I can't just watch two people going at it. I need to know their lives. I need to know what they do for a living. I want to know how they met. I need a full story. That that's kind
2: of how I like my sports video games. I want the whole damn shebang. You want so you want to be playing and you want to like a pop up to come up and be like, uh, Ohio State just backdoor offered your wide receiver three million dollars in NIL. What are you gonna to do to get yes. him the money? You want those kind of problems And if popping it's a, up. if it's
1: an LSU, I want one of the backup running backs to maybe kill somebody. No,
2: we don't want that. I I'm not
1: look, I want it realistic. That's all I'm asking for here. Is, but, like, is, I want to be, like, like, you move on from, like, high school as a coach, and they're like, hey, you've been offered a job at South Alabama in Mobile. And I'm like, I guess I got to take it. It's the only offer I have. <laughs> and then, like, we go in there, and we go 10-2, and two and they're like, hey, listen, Mississippi State's calling, and I'm like, yo, I'm going to turn it down. I still got unfinished business here coaching the Jaguars. Like, that's why I want it to be realistic like that. Like, I'm a nerd in that way. And let me tell you. The greatest, the greatest ever feature on any video game ever was in college football, EA Sports College Football, Home Field Advantage. There was nothing better because it made you feel like, oh God, there is a true disadvantage in me. If I'm LSU and I'm going to Florida, the controller's gonna start vibrating and the screen's gonna make me feel like I'm having a seizure.
2: It was the greatest feature on any game ever. I'll tell you this right now. As much as Back in the early two thousands, I think I, I think ESPN ran like fifteen different specials on how hard Death Valley was to play in and how it's the greatest yeah. um you know it's Talk about greatest, LSU. And L S U mm-hmm. it's the greatest stadium ever. That didn't get accurately conveyed to me until I walked into a Target, <laughs> and I went to go play an NCAA football demo, and the demo was, you're an away team in Death Valley against LSU, and you have to win the game in the fourth, and I have never been so nervous in my entire life. It's so It fun. made it feel like you were there, 100%. It's like this.
1: Madden is truly the worst game,
2: because every year, Madden literally, they
1: take you behind the uh, like a building, and they bend you over, <laughs> and they just take your money. Uh, yeah, it's it's literally the same game every year. Nothing changes changes, there's no cool new features, and if they do add a new feature, it's one where you're like, listen, I don't want to have to go through my whole life story and play little tiny intervals of my high school career to get recruited by a school. If we're going to do this, let's play a whole high school season, baby. Let's do something. But like Madden is such a boring, terrible, slow game, and it never gets any better. But every year, here I am at GameStop, and they're like, Sir, are you getting the new Madden? I said, yes. Then they'll say, do you want to b- buy insurance on it? I'm like, yes. <laughs> and then before you know it, I've spent $75 on a game that I have for
2: the last 10 years. It's the same game. i got I to read one text because this is fascinating to me. I think I figured out how ESP, how MLB can save this whole uh, f- you know fanatics fiasco, which is the 636 says you are an idiot. Fanatics is fine. F you. And so I really think that if we just get es, if we just get MLB to put you out in front and say I hate these jerseys, the amount of people who will then be like, actually I think they're completely fine. Just to be a contrarian, I think we could actually save MLB here. That person's a dick.
1: Okay. <laughs> I don't care what they say. I know what I'm. I know what I'm speaking
2: about. You're also, the fanatics only person sucks. in America who's saying that fanatics is doing good right yes, now. Yes, like, you're the only per- Are you on the board? Are you Are you a sh- like a, That's a, Stanley a fanatics? That's
1: who that is. My name is Jonathan Fanatics the Third. I come from a long line of people in the fanatics family. Like, come on. Nobody thinks Fanatics is doing a good job. Fanatics blows. But you're right. I guess I could say blue, they'd say red in some cases. Not most of them. Most of them love what I'm doing and dig it and they enjoy it. And they're like, this is different and refreshing. Then there's a couple of people who are just typical St. Louis schmucks that are in their ways and whatever. I love St. Louis, so I did not mean to be critical. I love you guys. Look, there's a bunch I still have to get into. This is the last day I'm doing this. This is the last day you'll ever hear me on 101 ESPN. This is the end of the road for me, so I got to get it all out while I'm here. So you guys can text in. You guys can do whatever. I'll tell you one thing I heard today that upset me is I don't like uh, Rock and Randall Carriker's, uh dismissal of the Battle Hawks either. Like, like, he, there's like, did you did you hear like he dis, what? Did you hear the dismissal in his voice? Like, oh, the Battle Hawks. Like, come on, bro. We've had two football teams go away. Show a little support for them, just a little bit. Like, I'm not telling you to go to the game and dress as a bird or something, but like, don't scoff at the idea that we have a professional football team here. We've already lost two of the sons of bitches we might as well at least say hey it's cool that somebody wants to be here And oh, by the way forty thousand people
2: go to the games what that's the last person who you, who needs to, i mean he made one comment about i heard how it he can't wait to win the ufl cup i heard it bothered we, me we i mean it we, hurt we had, me we had uh, multiple players almost the entire coaching staff me, on at one point last I don't need year that on dis- the show. there was a Come dismissal on. there was a
1: sarcasm in his voice yeah well i, I, didn't, like it. a, a I didn't like it it's a it. no that be,
2: on Fridays, we, we can be dismissive? Jo- you're not going to make jokes about the UFL, really? I'm not. Not Really? Come I know on. I'm no,
1: I'm not. I will make no jokes about the UFL. And if I did, none of you would hear them. I'm over on Casey in the afternoon. All right, we're back after this.
0: We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
1: It has also been brought to my attention that Braun Strowman, not dead. Thanks to my wife for pointing that out. I knew if she was listening, she'd know. I think Bray Wyatt is the guy that died, not Braun Strowman. And if you want my hot wrestling take, I don't think they featured Braun Strowman enough. And in wrestling smart mark parlance, I don't think Braun Strowman ever got an adequate push. Thank you. I'm Josh, by the way, in for the balloon party. If you'd like to follow me on social medias, just Josh Ennis Show. You spell it I-N-N-E-S. You can do that on all the socials. Uh, this is the last day I'm going to be on 101 ESPN. I talked to Tommy, who I guess technically runs this place. I don't even know who really does. I think Mike might, but Tommy claims to run this place. Uh, he said, this is your last day. He said, you're done This is the end of the road for you, dog. He said, you had your seven days, and uh, now you got to leave, so I'll miss you guys. So This is the last time I'll be on here, but I've enjoyed it thoroughly. You know, back to the video game thing for a second. Do we agree that the best non-EA Sports sports game ever? There's usually a debate between two games. It's MLB 2K4, the game with Albert on the cover, right? That's usually up for the debate. And NFL 2K5... The game with T.O. on the cover. Those are generally speaking – like, dude – those 2K versions of sports games better than anything EA Sports puts out, but EA Sports has the brand, they got the Madden.
2: Dude, the uh the the uh, 2K NBA games well, yeah, have it,
1: always been better. In
2: in a race EA for a while. EA stopped doing NBA Live after I want to say 09 and they didn't bring NBA Live back until 18 or 19 because a- a- NBA Live was so bad in 09. It was so it was so much the inferior product to 2K. 09, then I think that was the split where they dropped off the NBA Live title and just said we quit, um, but yeah, the EA is just, they're, they're resting on their laurels every ga- sports game gets bad as soon as you don't have competition 2K was great in 09, yeah. but 2K then got progressively worse, almost Madden-like every year because there, it didn't have to be better than NBA Live when NBA Live came back in 18, 2K was not as good of it for a year, and then they, they, they got their stuff right, NBA Live fell back off and 2K's the king again, but it's not the king because it's good, it's the king because there's no competition what is the problem
1: what is the greatest video game of all time spanning all consoles genres whatever what is to you the greatest video game tell me the game and the console
2: this is is the nerdiest thing about me um are you gonna say zelda no it's not that it's even it's actually even more niche than zelda okay Uh, for the playstation one it was a game called Final Fantasy Tactics.
1: Oh, God, yeah. And the, only,
2: and the only reason why I love it is partially because it has. there's a line in the game. In the story of this game, which was made for children, there's a line said by one character where he says, if the only punishment for a crime is a fine, then that is only a crime against the poor. That's a line said
0: for, in a game for <laughs> children, and it's the truest <laughs> thing I've
2: ever heard in my entire
1: life. The best video game ever. Is GoldenEye 007 for Nintendo 64?
2: That's, that's a great. That's a great one. And yeah, Tim Tim on the YouTube chat. Easy answer, GoldenEye. It is
1: easy. Now, if you want to do a Mount Rushmore, that's a more difficult task. But the easiest answer in history for the greatest video game ever is GoldenEye 007. And like, there'd be like, you'd have like judo chops. Like, if you were out of guns, you had to like judo chop somebody. (laughs) And you're carrying around like AK 47s. And like, the pause music for it was this like really kind of uh, intoxicating, hypnotizing music. And it was amazing. But that, dude, I would argue that the greatest video game era ever is like 97 to like 99 Nintendo 64 World. That is the greatest era of video games because you had GoldenEye 007. You had Mario Kart Nintendo yeah. 64. Every human on the planet played Mario Kart Nintendo 64. Did you
2: ever Kario Mart when you were in college? What is that? It's, really, it's a drinking game with Mario Kart. No, okay.
1: college was a little bit later for me. Like right. when I was in college, people started playing the uh, Wii a lot. Oh, okay. So we just get hammered and play Wii tennis. <laughs>
2: that's that's a great that idea. That is dangerous. Actually.
1: That's fun. Very dangerous. And my buddies were all high, and I was just hammered on Bud Light limes. You know, just you know, playing this tennis TVs, just intense. TVs just dropping every week. <laughs> like John McEnroe in there, yeah, walking was, to the Best Buy for the fourth time that month. Like, yep, broke another one. God, you know what else was great? Uh, so if I had to think, oh. Uh, this is a game that I looking back wasn't great, but there was a game called Ken Griffey Baseball, yep. and like there were no fans in the stands for yep. some reason, it was empty, and it was a weird game, but I liked it. And of course, WCW versus NWO Revenge. That was a great game. Like, Here's the thing, and I'll move off of video games in a second here, but, I mean, there is a, this is a big day because a big announcement that we're getting NCAA football back, and now it's with players being able to make money on name-image likeness. So, like, there's a lot of possibilities for this, and I think if, if this game sucks, it's going to be the worst. I don't know that I'll be more let down by anything in my life than if this game sucks because we waited a decade for this. But, like, as far as video games go, like I I was a Sega guy. I didn't have an didn't have a uh Super Nintendo. That really wasn't my that wasn't my jam. I had a Sega Genesis. So I had um we had NBA Jam. We had NBA Jam Tournament Edition. He's on fire. Which is one of the ultimate goat games of all time. My wife, she hates NBA Jam Tournament Edition cuz she hates the little hot spots He's on that fire. Gets, that you can stand on and like get like a, an eight point shot like I love that. but that game was elite. And I never thought That we get to a point, like, that we are now, obviously, with video games that are so lifelike. But in the late 90s, when Nintendo 64 came about, and I believe I was playing, I guess it would have been, like, one of the WCW games, NWO games, and I was like, I don't know that video games can ever get better than this. You take out that cartridge. Whoosh, you just blow in it. It didn't even know if it mattered, but you'd blow in it. You put it back in the Nintendo 64. Boom, we're playing GoldenEye. Boom, we're playing Blitz. Blitz is also a Mount Rushmore game, and if it's not an overall Mount Rushmore game, it's at least a Nintendo
2: 64 Mount Rushmore game. No doubt on that. You can put it on the Mount Rushmore all time because it is. Uh, it's an arcade now. You can walk into totally. a bar. You can walk into Same a bar. With NBA Jam. You can walk into a bar, and it's an arcade. And I think that when you when you Go across mediums, it gives you more. So dude, it's great. So then
1: play I wasn't a big PlayStation guy. I did have the original PlayStation at the time, and I remember playing Twisted Metal, and I thought Twisted Metal was the greatest. And I had a game, because it was like $5 for sale at Walmart, it was called the Die Hard Trilogy. And you could be John McClane in all three Die Hard movies. That, I, I liked Die Hard with a Vengeance, I thought that was the most fun of the games. But anyway, then we moved on to PlayStation 2. And in PlayStation 2, I'm playing Madden one day with a buddy of mine, and, I, and I'm thinking to myself, Things will never get better than this. It will never get better than PlayStation Two. That's this is some the greatest
2: self-awareness.
1: I'm like, I didn't have it, that. Oh, totally. Dude, when it was 2001. I said, this I will never that. be. There will never be a greater video game console. How can they sh- make this more realistic? They can't. <laughs> and then PlayStation, as the people,
2: as the people have squared heads. Yes, their their hands, shoulders are box. Their hands are just
1: triangles. And I'm like, it'll never get better than this. <laughs> This is the greatest. And then PlayStation 3 comes along and it's a submarine. Like this console is this gigantic, like 45-pound console in your room and you play. And I was like, well, guys, listen, I know I said before that things will never get better than PlayStation 2. I don't think things are ever going to get better than PlayStation 3. And then they just kept getting better and better. Now I think we've hit a point that I don't know that you can make them any better. Like, have we hit, like, the limit of how great video games can be? I don't know. Yes, yes. Like, I feel like that's a lot of things. No, the limit was hit. I always like to think back to like, imagine somebody in like the 1930s and he's got like the black lung and he has to go work in a coal mine, you know, like
2: he's 11 and he's working in a coal mine. He's got a black lung. Simplify this. Can you imagine being a child and having to push a, push a hoop with a stick? Imagine being Jack Buck when he was a kid. Jack Buck stood on like
1: boxes, smoking cigarettes, selling newspapers when he was like seven years old. Okay, now imagine us. We're like, I don't know. This PlayStation Five isn't as realistic as I think it should be. Like uh, my VR goggles, uh, I think they could be adjusted a little bit. <laughs> you know they, what? I, I'm, no, I'm not, By you- the way, those kids weren't pushing hula hoops with a stick. They were literally in coal mines. <laughs> Their dads were sending them out to earn a living so they can make pennies a week to afford bread during the Great Depression. And we're out here like, boy, this, this NCAA game better be good or I'm yeah. going to be super pissed. I, usu-
2: I usually uh, fight against the whole uh, every generation's worse than the one before it. But when you when you frame it that way. I'm not even kinda, saying anybody's It's kind of inarguable. <laughs>
1: no, look, I feel bad for the little bastards that they had the black lung and stuff. I'm happy about where I am. All I'm saying is, like, imagine that transition. Imagine you're someone who grew up and was alive in, like, 1890, but also alive in, like, 1965 or 1970. So you could be you'd be 80 years old if you were born in 1890 and lived in 1970. Think about how much the world changed. In 1890, there was no radio, I don't even know if there was, electricity. if there was, it was rudimentary, right? And then you're a kid. You're like, what do I do? It's 1900. What do we do for fun? Well, I'll tell you what you do. You're five years old. You get a damn job. Then, like, 1970 comes along, and there's television, and some of them are in color. And you're like, what is this? I mean, radio had to have beat you over the head. Then TV. It's wild to think, man. Wild. That's existential stuff there, man. Now I'm going deep. Now, I want you to sit around and think about a seven-year-old Jack Buck with the black lungs smoking a cigarette selling newspapers in Ohio, and think about the life you have now and your kids have now, okay? And we'll be back and talk about other exciting stuff after this.
0: Back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast, presented by Dom's Tire and Auto Centers on 101
1: ESPN. You working a little slew in there. Thinking about college basketball, I don't think I could name one college basketball player currently. I don't think I could. I don't know that I could. I mean, I know that's wow worthy. I mean, I just don't watch it. I mean, yeah. I, I couldn't name, you know great conductors either but i don't really care
2: if if perduda wasn't getting bounced out of the tournament every year for the last three years you probably would have remembered zach edie oh
1: i know he's the giant dude yes like he's like 7-11 he's
2: still playing in, in college basketball and it's just that i think Purdue just keeps getting bumped by the second round despite being a number one or two seed the last three years oh. of his career then no one actually knows who he is despite oh. the fact that he's been there forever and he's one of the leading scores at all time.
1: I say that to bring this up, because this is going to sound like it's some sort of anti-women's basketball stance, but really it's just an anti-sports-I-don't-care-about stance. So I was looking at uh, the old twits today, old Twitter doodle, or X, formerly known as Twitter, and uh, some guy, I, forgot, I think it was might have been Tim Legler, said, you know, Caitlin Clark is one of the five most exciting basketball players I've ever seen. I'm like, bro, you're a liar. Now, if you don't know Caitlin Clark, which a bunch of you probably don't, I wouldn't blame you, Caitlin Clark is the all-time leading women's college basketball scorer, right? That's happened last night. You might also know her as the poor defenseless little white girl who lost in the championship last year to the big... Bad team with the black girl on it, LSU. Is
2: that really? Is that really like the wide, the widespread? Like,
1: narrative? oh my god, did you see Twitter? Now I, I only know this because I went to LSU. But last year, LSU, remember, LSU yeah, beat them year. in the championship. And Angel Reese, oh, yeah, the right Bayou Barbie dime piece, my angel, she goes over and starts taunting Caitlin Clark, who, by the way, taunts people all the time. Yeah, that was
2: so. That was oh, so blown out. I mean, that oh, was. Uh, but I feel you know, like only the dumbest people were bothered by that but
1: it was a racial thing is all it yes. was. You get you get the white people angry. You know, I mean, they're in Iowa. There are no black people, so they're in Iowa. So it's all angry white people, and they're like, "Did you see what that thug did?" And then the black people go like, "They'll dig up video of Caitlin Clark like doing this to other people, and like That's she what does you it do too."
2: Basketball, you trash Correct. talk. It's it is a, it is the sport I believe with, it, with, with most at its core active trash talk. Unless you're counting what offensive and defensive linemen say to each other in the trenches. Correct. Like it's those two things are neck and neck. So
1: I bring this up, though, because now Caitlin Clark, I'm seeing people act like they care that Caitlin Clark is the all-time leading women's basketball score.
2: Well, she's going to pass Pete Maravich later this season for the all-time, like all-time, all-time Well, score. I want
1: Pete Maravich to play a game against uh, Caitlin Clark, and I want to see who would win
2: one-on-one. Does one of them get a three-point line and the other one doesn't? One of them
1: is dead, and I'd still take the one that's dead. Here's a fun fact about Pistol Pete Maravich by the way. The greatest arguably the greatest white basketball player to ever live. Maybe outside of Larry Bird. There you go. I don't count any of like the gigantic ogre white Whoa. men of the 50s like oh. George Mikan. I thought you were going to make
2: fun of my, my my large Serbian son Nikola Jokic.
1: Oh no, Jokic is the goat. Okay, like, go. Like I love Jokic as far as like white basketball players go, you know. Uh, I am a big Jokic guy. But uh, and I'm also I'm trying to think Yeah, Jokic is in ma- Luka Luca's good, too, you know. Uh, but anyway, so Pistol Pete, The well, let me rewind. So Pistol Pete went to Louisiana State University from 1969 to 1972, I believe, the years he was there. The team was never good. They went to the NIT. Uh, but the NIT was a bigger deal back then, but they went to the NIT. And Pistol Pete was just this incredible being, yeah. right? Everybody knows who Pistol Pete is. But there was a study done by a gentleman, I think Dale Brown, who used to coach at LSU. Basically, it's not basically, Dale Brown became the head coach at LSU after Pete Maravich's dad, Press Maravich, got fired. And Dale Brown was the coach at LSU from 1972 to 1998. Took the team to multiple Final Fours, greatest basketball coach they've ever had, brought Shaq to LSU, Chris Jackson to LSU. Now you know him as Mahmoud abdul Rauf. all these guys. They did a study once that said that if the three-point line existed... I forgot what the exact number was, but I think Pete Maravich, who I think went on to average 44.2 points per game in his career. I think that's right around the number. so far. All right. He averaged 44.2 points a game. If Pete Maravich had a three-point line, he would have averaged well over 50 points per game because his shots were like Steph Curry shots.
2: Yes, and and in fact, it's funny you bring that up because uh, an interesting part of this story that I brought up at the end of the opening drive is that the NCAA didn't keep – uh, stats for the women's game until 1982. And so Lynette Woodard who played at Kansas in the end of the 70s and early 80s without a three-point line has more points than Caitlin Clark has right now. But because the NCAA's weird way of acknowledging it, she's never been the all-time leading scorer in women's basketball even though she is the all-time leading scorer in women's well, basketball it's also and a without re- a three-point
1: line. A relatively new development that anybody even feigns caring about women's basketball. I mean, let's be honest, right? Like, basically there were four women's or colleges that focused on women's basketball up until about a decade ago and now everybody's doing it more but you had your Tennessees and your Connecticut's
2: Louisiana Tech Louisiana, I was going to say you can't forget about Louisiana Tech in the um, 80s Bob Ramsey was the one who called those games oh, 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 oh good Ran, okay. <laughs> I, I know what La Tech is because Bob Ramsey was there my God, we got a local. I've it. heard a lot of LA tech stories. That's all
1: I'm saying. So, and, uh, and and Baylor became one recently, yes. and LSU is becoming one. And but for the most part, no one cared, so they didn't focus on it. Now it's becoming a thing. It was easy for Pat Summit to go dominate women's college basketball because literally no other colleges cared. So like one college is like, we care. Let's go motor through and win like ten championships. Same with Geno R E M and these guys. But people like I get annoyed by people who act. As if they care about things they truly don't care about. And I don't believe the world cares that Caitlin Clark is the all-time worst. Good for her. I'm not trying to besmirch women's basketball. It's adorable. When I played in high school, here's how it was set up. There would be a girls' JV, boys' JV, girls' varsity, boys' varsity. So we'd have to play four games in a day. Yeah. Um, and the girls' games would usually be three to two at halftime. Riveting. Don't get me wrong. However, like this idea that someone wants to try to feed me something to chase clout, it's all clout chasing. That's what the world is. It's clout chasing. To tell me that Caitlin Clark is one of the five most exciting basketball players, men or women, that was a caveat, that's a joke. Are saying right now
2: or all time? All time. Yeah, all time. All I, time. All time is going to be a little bit of a stretch, but I, I think what the reaction around Caitlin Clark is showing you is that women's, women's basketball, both the WNBA and, and women's college basketball, is seeping into... The basketball fandom you know more than it ever has which is not which is because listen, at one p- listen i mean listen at one point it nev- it wasn't seeping in at all and so it 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 getting the puppets getting now is more than ever because it wasn't good before but it is growing and i do believe that the the eyes on the sport if you just look at the numbers because of somebody like Caitlin clark the eyes on the sport are getting bigger okay and part of that is because men's college basketball blows yeah that could be part back of it back to yeah. my
1: original point i cannot name a men's college basketball player not one you put me up against the wall you put a gun to my head and you say josh name a men's college basketball player right now. I could not do it. That is not for show. That is not for hyperbole. I legitimately could not. But like, let's say you rewind to 2000. What year would that have been? Like, I guess 05 ish. Whenever JJ Reddick yeah, was at Duke, yeah. and uh, Adam Morrison was at Gonzaga. <laughs> okay, with his little mustache and everything. Jay, if J.J. Reddick were playing basketball right now in the same era as Caitlin Clark, and J.J. Redick were playing at Duke when Duke still mattered, and J.J. Redick were hitting threes, like, dude, J.J. Reddick was the most fun basketball player, really one of the most fun basketball players to ever watch. Homeboy would come up across the, the midcourt and pull up from the logo before anybody yeah. pulled up from the logo sans Chris Jackson back in the 90s.
2: To your point, I don't think people understand That uh, J.J. Redick was hitting um, over forty percent of his threes on a nine point one and nine point two his last two years per game attempts number. Correct, that's ridiculous. No one would would do that for ten years. And that's
1: before the NBA became a place where all your best players, your center, shoot six threes a game now. Like that's before then. And J.J. Redick was the most exciting player. He'd pull up, bang, now he'd be at Cameron Indoor, fans are all on top of him, they're playing North Carolina, he's coming up mid court. just says, screw it, I'm pulling. If that were happening in men's college basketball right now, no one would know who Caitlin Clark is. But why just, it, I mean, why that's just reality. Why does it
2: have to be one or the other? Why can't... I mean, if because you watch Caitlin Clark play, she's an enjoyable, she's, she plays in a very enjoyable brand of basketball that is fun to watch. I don't. I, I, why why do we have to treat it like it's well? Because, it's, because it's not as exciting as what J.J. Redick would have done. That, that, that happened 20 years ago. We got to enjoy that. So let's enjoy Caitlin Clark. Fair point. But I will
1: tell you this. The reason is because there are people trying to go out online, like a Tim Legler, trying yeah. to tell you that this is one of the five most exciting basketball players ever. The only reason why there's any attention being paid to Caitlin Clark is because men's college basketball blows. Okay, again, someone who doesn't play play for SLU or in whatever conference they're in, at the A-10 or whatever it is. Name And not the
2: giant ogre man from
1: Purdue. Name another college basketball player. Uh, Caleb Love. Who's that?
2: He's a CBC kid who played for UNC and now plays for Arizona.
1: Okay. I
2: didn't know that. Um, There, you win. I mean, at the height of the UConn stuff, Maya Moore – was a fascinating was a fascinating watch. Nafisa Collier, who, again, an incarnate word player here from St. Louis, was a fascinating watch at UConn, and that was at a very good brand overall for college basketball, 2011, 2008. I mean, those are good times for college basketball, and those were fascinating women to watch, but they didn't get this kind of pub because the game itself hadn't grown the way it has over the last seven or eight years. Hmm. And again, it mm. might be it might be minuscule. I'm not saying it's the fifth league or anything like that, but it's grown, and I don't think we should just shake a you know. There's no reason to shake a fist at that because it's it's good. And by it, the way, I'm not saying yeah, like yeah, I know girls you're saying shouldn't I know you're play basketball yeah, or anything. I'm all that. for it. But like when
1: people try to tell you that something is a big deal, you think to yourself, is this actually a big deal? Right? Not really. Like I don't believe that the vast majority of people care. And when Tim Legler says this is one of the five most exciting basketball players I've ever seen, there are. 20 more exciting NBA players playing basketball right now. Tim's been around for a while. Tim's a stiff. That's probably that's a stupid
2: take. It's a stupid take. I love Caitlin Clark, but I I'm not. She's not in my top five all time. It's a dumb,
1: stupid take. Top ten maybe. It's it's awful. And by the way, my girl Angel Reese whipped that ass. Because that's how we (laughs) do it on the Bayou. (laughs) The Bayou Barbie comes in there and does a little bit of You Can't See Me and takes that championship home. How's LSU doing this year? I don't know. I don't pay attention. They're not doing great. I have no clue. They're not doing great. All all I know is I watched them play in that championship (laughs) game last year, and they won. All right, we'll wrap it up after this.
0: we are right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
1: I see some of the people texting, and one of uh, the overwhelming sentiments is, why is everything about race? Well, I think people can talk about race without it being a thing. But, like, if you go back and look at Caitlin Clark versus uh, Angel Reese last year and the way the reactions went both sides whether you liked Angel Reese whatever a lot of it was all racially motivated because you'll read one thing that someone says and it becomes racially and very rarely do I hop on board with like oh race but in that one it was obvious you had black chick from LSU white chick from Iowa and the way a lot of people on social media reacted to Caitlin Clark getting trash talk to her like she does to everybody the only reason that happened is because Angel Reese is black and cocky and makes a lot of cash in the NIL. What was that text? Like, th- this text that you were just reading me is really the ultimate example of that. Somebody sent
2: a text message referring to Angel Reese as a menace. Yes, they, 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 now this, the 314 sent them a text message they got from somebody else. So, uh, wow, what a horrible take. Kaitlin Clark is exciting, and this is from someone who never watched women's college basketball before. Angel Reese is a menace and couldn't even stick on her team at LSU because she That's is such false. a problem. Th- send this to the loser. Send this loser back to the Bayou.
1: Okay, well, I I lived in Louisiana for a long time. Thus, I guess I know a little bit more about LSU than you do because Angel Reese plays on the team still. She got suspended. I think it was like for an academic thing or something. But either way, oh, yeah,
2: she's played. Uh, so she's played 21 games this year. Uh, scoring's down just a little bit. She's at 19 and a half points per game, 12.6 rebounds per game three assists, two steals, and a block. That was down from last year when Angel Reese was at... This is incredible. I didn't realize she put up these numbers. She was at 23 points, 15 boards, three assists, two steals, two blocks what last the, year. She's a menace. So she's still, she's still just... Yeah, on defense, she's I'll tell you menace. what, she'll she'll really mess up your, your offense. What tell I've what.
1: learned is there's a certain faction of the populace that only really likes trash talk when... It's people who look like them are trash-talking. Let me share a story with you. You brought up, when we were in the break, you brought up a gentleman by the name of Larry Bird. And Larry Bird, if you ask anybody from that era who the greatest trash-talker of all time is, it's Larry Bird.
2: The greatest and the most disrespectful. The man took shots left-handed just to screw with guys.
1: Correct. I once was sitting in a hotel lobby with a man named Dominique Wilkins, the human (laughs) highlight film. So, I I was... uh, he
2: hated Larry so much.
1: So this is great, okay? So I was in a hotel lobby with him because a buddy of mine was interviewing him. And he goes, hey, Josh, do you want to meet Dominique Wilkins? Come over to the Four Seasons in Houston. He's calling the game tonight. If you want to meet him, come meet him. And I said, okay, cool. So I go to the lobby, and he's interviewing him. And he tells a story about a time that he was playing against Larry Bird. And Larry Bird would have the ball, like, out on the wing. And every time Larry Bird... Would have possession. He would look at Dominique Williams and says, come on, boy. Come get it, boy. You're going to, co- cut. hey, watch this, boy. And then he would just hit shots right in his face. Now, Dominique didn't seem to be overly upset about this. But it's just fascinating. Like, people talk like the only people on the planet whose trash talk is unacceptable is people who don't look like them. Like, Tom Lawless can flip a bat a 1,000 feet into the air. But, like, if Juan Soto does it, pff, look at that cocky Latin guy. Pff, that ain't the Cardinal way. I'll tell you right now, we don't flip bats here. No, only one of the most famous home runs in Cardinals history is a dude that looks like Tom Selleck flipping a bat into the air. By the way, I don't think that bat ever came down. That bat stayed in the air forever. It just floated. But, like, it is funny how there are a certain group of people who accept certain things based on how they look. If you look like them, you can do whatever you want. If you don't, then it's wrong. Right? There are a lot of black folks who hate Nikola Jokic. You know why? Because he's really good but he doesn't play a style of game like a Steph Curry who's hitting 45 foot threes. So like that's the issue. Like I, I believe that we're too deep in an era where we're trying to build too many storylines about like equity and everything else. Like, Oh, Caitlin Clark, one of the five best basketball players I've ever watched. Okay. Chief put Caitlin Clark out there against whoever play, who is the third put her putting Najib Eccles on the court today. Not Najib Eckles when he was, like, the 12th man for Mizzou. Put Najib Eckles on the court against Caitlin Clark. He'd probably beat her. That's just science, right? But, like, everything that we hear is, it's like everything, like, did you know that this Wisconsin team was the first all-white team to make it to the Final Four? That was a big day for us, so I remember. And then, on the flip side, you'll get, did you know that this is the first playoff game that's been officiated by an all-African-American crew? Like, who the hell cares? Like, do you think black dudes are at the barbershop today? Like, guys, we got all black refs. This is a big day. This is a huge day for us. This is big. There's Rosa Parks, and then there's four black refs. Big day. All right, I hope you enjoyed the last Josh Ennis show. Well, really, it's Bloom Party, and I'm in for the guys, but I will never be on this radio station again. I feel pretty confident saying that. But I want you to know that I enjoyed it thoroughly. I'm going to go get yelled at now and uh, enjoy what enjoy the guys coming up next. Big blues win. I didn't even mention that. Dude, hell of a blues win last night. They'll get into it next, and uh, I will I'll see you when I see you, I guess. I don't know when that'll be, but it was nice knowing you. Goodbye.